Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hello Simon, how are you? I'm not too bad, Jackie, how are you? Well, I'm alright, but I've had a bit of a strange day today. I've had a workman in the house. Oh, what's she doing? Well, I had had to have a window fixed. Oh, right. Now, it's been broken for a long, long time. What, new glass? Yeah, just a piece of glass that had to be put in. So, um, a friend of mine was round and he said, oh, I know somebody who can do that for you. Right. So, this man texted me and said, oh, I can come today if you like. So, you know, it was all a bit unexpected. That's pretty good, though. It's very good. Workmen, isn't it? Well, he, and he actually did turn up. Which what was, was he a, like? Was a know, bonus. Has he finished it? Well, it was very. He was very nice. But you know, it's that awkward thing where you've got a workman in your house. Well, he was chatty. Let me just tell you. And you know, when you're thinking, no, you just need to get on with this. Yeah. And then I thought, do I leave him to it, or is that rude? No, I would have just gone out and left him to it. Oh, would what, if you, you trusted him? Yeah. Yeah. What you trustatrader.com. <laughs> I want to patent that idea. Um, <laughs> You, so you'd actually leave somebody in your house that you've never met before? Yeah, I probably wouldn't leave out, you know, wads of cash or <laughs> di- <laughs> well, diamond rings. Thankfully, I haven't got either of those. Put them away. No, not me neither, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it, once they start talking? They might just gabbing, 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 and they'll be there twice as long as they should be, charge you twice the price, you know, yeah. stretching it out. But then if you leave them to it... And they get it wrong. Well... Then what do you do? Well, how wrong can it go, a pane of glass, you know, in the window? <laughs> is it special glass? Yes, it's old stained glass. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's quite a specialist. Right. And, you get... and do you know what? He did a fabulous job. Has he? Yeah, really good. So he was chatting away and he was talking about holidays and different things. And, you know, I was just thinking, oh, no, I've got to get, I've got to get some work done here. Yeah. I can't stand here chatting all day. So I sort of wandered off and then I thought... I supposed to make him a brew? It's very difficult. It's a minefield. I'd say so. You know, after a sort of an hour and a half, maybe offered to make him the first one. Well, he didn't stay an hour and a half. Oh, in the that. end, he you know he turned it around pretty quick. Oh, that's good of him. So, so the rule is: is it an hour and a half that they should have a brew? I'd say an hour. First of all, straight away. Do you want a brew, mate? Oh, really? That's your opening gambit. Yeah, quite often they'll go. No, I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right. They might have a flask in the van or whatever. But after an hour, uh, I'd say, you're right for a brew, you're right for a brew. <laughs> yeah, why not, you know? But do you not think that slows them down in their work? It will do, but it's, it's a decent thing to do, isn't it? If he's been working hard, banging away, you know, um, at some floorboards with a hammer. I see what you're saying. Might be working a sweat up. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, 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 say, I'd definitely, after an hour, say, fancy a brew? Yeah, for sure. And hope they say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it depends what they like, you know, the work, man. You might have something in common and you'd spark a great conversation up about something. Yeah, which is fine, but not when you've got the, a job to do. No. Well, Lula wants to decorate the whole flat now. I've told you about the wardrobes. We've not been yet. Still no new wardrobes. Well, it's a lockdown now. We can't, can we? <laughs> <laughs> but she wants to paint it all, but I don't want to do it. So I want to uh, just sort of leave the place and get somebody in for the weekend, somebody of trust. Um, leave them the key. Yeah, Terry Tootells is probably the man, and uh, just You've give him got, the key. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've got a friend called Terry Tootells? Yeah. Has no, he only got two toes? 
I don't think so because he can stand up or <laughs> but he's very good. He can do put his hand to anything. Oh, you see, I need Terry two toes as well. You can do your oven, your washing machine, you name it. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, he's really good. It's hard to pin down now because he's so good. Of course, because he's so busy. That's a problem. He doesn't stop for a chat and a brew. No, he doesn't really. He he's does on have, a mission. Yeah, he does have a brew, but not not the first one. He'll, he'll wait for an hour, get stuck in, which is what you want, of course. Yeah, of course it is. So where am I going to go for a, a weekend to have the flat painted? Jackie, have you got any ideas? Where are you allowed to go? You're not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> Outside of where? You'll have to go to next doors. <laughs> not allowed to do that, are No, you? you're not. That's true. I just sit in the park, you know, in the dark. <laughs> I get some of well, Terry Two Toes is sorting the house out. Yeah, I hope so, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're up to the letter Y. <laughs> the first Y is Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> Well, I wasn't expecting that. No, it's a Civil War song, uh, insulting song. Yankee Doodle went to town, riding on a pony, stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. That. Now, Mark E. Smith, he had a, a megaphone from Tandy, or realistic as it was back then, made in America. And it had this special button where it used to play this um, Yankee Doodle dandy, dead, dead loud. And he just loved to go down the tour bus if somebody was asleep on the bunk, put this thing right next to the ear of the unfortunate soul. Da, 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 da. It was horrible, it was like, it was horrible even if you were at the back of the bus or the front, but to have it next to your ear was, was terrible. But he loved doing this, you know. He thought people were sleeping too much or being lazy. <laughs> you know, they should be out, you know, uh, watching the you know the city we're in outside the windows, learn something. About it, not sleeping. He had this megaphone for years and years, you know, used it on US 80s, 90s, the song. And uh, Yeah, he'd have it on stage a lot with him, wouldn't he? Yeah, all the time. It was like a trademark. He had a, two or three of them, uh, gold-coloured they were. But yeah, this damn song, um, <laughs> Yankee Doodle Dandy. God, what, he used to get really on my nerve. He didn't do it all the time. But, you, you know, you might be uh, dozing off yourself and hear him, you know, pressing the button. And it was really high piercing tone to the sound. Not the words, just the sound that came out. R.E.M., the band, they used one a lot, didn't they? But I don't know who's, who's came first, whether it was Mark. I joined The Fall in 86 and they'd already been using it for a couple of years. But it was a good idea. You like doing that, you know, having effects that you could be in control of yourself, whether it's, you know, the Walkman in a studio. And he'd have some commentating, you know, off off the TV or whatever, stick it directly onto the track. Sometimes it was in sync, but often it, you know, it just drifted away from the, you know, the, you know, the measures of, you know, bars. And it didn't work at all. But when it did, it was great, you know. But he loved doing that, and you know, little effects um, that he had, and he used them a lot. But apart from you know, taping us a lot, talking about it. <laughs> So, yeah, Yankee Doodle Dandy. My next Y is the Yang Sing restaurant in Manchester. Lovely. You must have been there. Many, many times. Yeah. We used to go out actually a lot with record companies. Did you? Yeah, yeah. record companies would take us for meals. You know, it'd be an album launch or something. I've not been for a while to any Chinese, but I did. I like going there. That grade two listed building 
on Princess Street in Manchester, round the corner from India House. And they started the Yang Sing in 1977, the Young family. Won a, a lot of trophies, you know, and awards. They really have Yang Sing. In fact, they were in the Michelin Guide a few years ago. Best Chinese restaurant or whatever. It's always an experience. They have, you know, photos of people who come, you know, off the TV, on the walls, you know, really like that. I'm very efficient. I like, I like, I've not been for a Chinese for ages. Did you go there quite a lot? Then? Oh, yeah, we went, yeah, a lot. But you you were always guaranteed it was never a bad night, was it? No, it was great fun, you know, theatre, really, like restaurants are, you know, the way the, you know, the um, waiters move around and the maitre d' and what have you. Oh, everybody was brilliant in there. Yeah. And knew what they were doing. The food was fantastic. The staff were great. There's a lot of good Chinese places around there, Chinatown. Um, We've got a great Chinatown. I yeah, used to go have, to... Yeah. Celebrate Chinese New Year every year. Right. Have okay. you ever been? When oh yeah, I've been a load of times. Yeah, yeah isn't it's, it good? It's fantastic. Those dragons. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I'm passing through town, I go and get one of those pork buns from Hoes Bakery as well. I uh, love doing that. Uh, it's the only place that you know that I know of. You can just go in and go, can have six of them pork buns. <laughs> They're great. I love them, and it's quick and you know it's fairly reasonable price. If you wanted a little snack at dinner time. No, we're very lucky, aren't we, in Manchester to have such a great Chinatown. Yeah, and of course, um, the, the Curry Mile as well. Yes. Another dish, you know, very diverse uh, col- culinary selection nowadays. Very diverse Get in Manchester. Vietnamese. I went out the other day, my mate said, oh, do you want to go to Eccles? We went for a sort of a, an artistic meeting, if you like. Okay. About this uh, Lucigenic single that's coming out in the new year now. Said, yeah, it's street food, it's brilliant, dead cheap. So we went to Eccles, not been to Eccles for years. I don't think I've ever been. Haven't you? Well, in the middle of it, there's some very old buildings there, you know. That's where we went. Last time I was there before was uh, to meet the guy who'd come after the VA team. You know, when I quit <laughs> the band. Outside Quick Save in Eccles. So I went there anyway. And it was just a glorified chippy, really. <laughs> nice enough, the food, you know. Cheap as well. I've never seen I've never seen so many traffic wardens uh, walking around Eccles, honestly. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it's the same two, but I kept seeing, you know, different ones coming and going. Um, Were you worried? Had you parked illegally, Simon? No, I parked in uh, Asda, whatever, whatever it is, across the road. Were you doing your two hours? Yeah, for, two hours yeah, free. Yeah, good, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it was in and out. So, yeah, street for that. I, went, I once went to Borough Market. To a street food restaurant. That that was sort of real street food to me. In London? Yeah. Yes. Uh, brilliant. I had a great time in there. So, you know, uh, even though it tasted okay and it was cheap, it was a bit disappointing <laughs> with the mate street food. Everything's called street food, though, these days, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of crazes like that. Frozen yoghurt craze. Uh, there's all sorts of things, you know, yeah, come, come and go, and go. Yeah. all the time. What, what were those Indian things where they used to do it in a clay pot for a while? You'd always see it outside the restaurant. That passed me by, that one. <laughs> so, yeah, you can get anything you want really now, can't you? But if you were going to open your own little pop-up restaurant, what would you serve? Well, I always wanted to make um, run a, an American diner, a genuine one. You know, when I first went to America, um, I loved it. You know, to Denny's, Denny's, they've got so many Denny's all over the country. You know, for your eggs and your 
your bacon and all that all day breakfast, 24-7. So the the little booths and the... Yeah, basically. I always thought, oh, I'd love to, you know, have one of them. And up at the counter as well. So you could either sit at the counter or you yeah, could sit the stool, at the booths. Yeah, revolving stool. Hey, you want another coffee, hun? <laughs> They're but, always topping up the coffee in these things, aren't they? It's always yeah. like free coffee. Yeah, but in America, maybe, they have a proper percolator, you know, with the stuff and they come round all the time. I don't think it's like that here, though. People have tried doing diners. Um, there's, there's one called OK Diner that I always used to stop at when I went to Wales, you know, uh, on holiday or whatever. And it was not the same. It's not proper coffee, you know. Oh, no, it you've takes, got to It have... takes you half an hour to get, you know, a piece of toast. No, that's no good at all. <laughs> so... Oh, so you could see yourself, could you, serving that sort of food where, you know, you're doing eggs yeah, over easy and all yeah, that? Yeah, quick, yeah. Yeah. Quick, but, you know... Um, Chatting to the staff like your old greengrocer days. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I, you see, I, you've I got all the skills. That. They're all coming together. You've got your city and guilds. Yeah, that will come in handy. You've got your greengrocers chatting to the ladies. <laughs> well, I can see this happening. One of them little paper hats on with an Love. apron. And you yeah. know what? You'd really look the part <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, maybe one day, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Maybe open one up. Funky sized diner. Yeah, it's got, it sounds all right. And then you can it? put the music on. Yeah, that's put your favourite yeah. songs on. Might Everybody would come for the music. Might get for, a name for itself like that. For the yeah. food. Yeah. Okay. I think it sounds like a winner. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> the next why is the band Yago, who were based in Manchester in the eighties. I really like them. They're kind of like bluesy. Funky soul, urban though. Uh, Basil Clark, lead singer. They were on TV quite a lot actually, uh, as I remember it. We're on, I think they were on the tube. Hard-edged urban blues, I'd call it. Yeah, the band made up of uh, ex-members of a band called Biting Tongues, who I've heard about, but I don't really know what the kind of music it was, if I'm honest. Sometimes compared Basil to Marvin Gaye. Which is a pretty good com- uh, compliment, wouldn't really you agree? It really is, yeah. Yeah, but lovely fella. And I see, I bumped into him a couple of years ago outside Cantor's Deli in Charlton, just walking along. I think he might have been going in there to do a spot, you know, at the open mic night. But I said, oh, how are you doing? Because he used to be in, you know, the rehearsal rooms or whatever, wherever I was at the time in the 80s. And he's dead, a very jolly soul and great, you know, great voice. He had the debut album, Body Beat, which was very good, 1987. And he did a song with the Future Sound of London album on it, on the album, a track called Accelerator. So, yeah, uh, Yago, sadly missed, really. I, I enjoyed listening to him, you know, singing. Very good. <laughs> My next wife, Jackie, is the YMCA. Not the songs. I was going to say, that do, the, <laughs> do the actions? Uh, not tonight, but uh, <laughs> I went, the first time I ever went on holiday without my mum and dad, um, I went to Pen Memoir with my friend. I think he was called Simon Cowell as well, but not no relation. Are you sure it wasn't the Simon Cowell? No, he was called Simon, he was called Cowell. Oh. So we went off there on the train via Chester from Altrincham. And um, where was it? Pen Memoir, North Wales. Right. Um, what age are you? Probably 14 or 15. <laughs> Simon, you did everything far too early. Yeah, maybe 15. But um, and Your pu- mum and dad were quite happy for you to just go off. 
With your friend called Simon Cowell. Yeah, yeah it was only for the weekend. No, but still. Yeah, so we went there anyway. Uh, we had a nice time. It was a small building right on the other side of the railway tracks <laughs> next to the sea. And uh, I thought, when, when I got there, I realised you had to muck in, you know, wash up and all that stuff. <laughs> so I only stayed one night and came home. <laughs> <laughs> what, did the washing up put you off? Yeah, I didn't realise that that was a score, you know, to get this cheap thing, you had to muck in. And uh, oh. it felt like being at school a little bit, so we might stay two nights. I had to walk down the beach and uh, that big hillside, at the, you know, behind it there. That was my first time. And were you in like a dorm? It was a few beds, probably about five, six beds, you know, in one room. It was only a little one that used to be a YMCA, YMCA in Altingham, big one, you know, for years and years. I had a couple of mates who stayed there for a while. One of them, a, a, a train conductor he was. <laughs> Gone now, it's all luxury flats again, you know, again. That's the YMCA. It's a good idea, though, isn't it? It is a good idea. Would you do it now, though? Would you sleep in? If, um, you... if it was out, it was hard to get a bed for the night, and that's all he had, you know. You were too tired to get a hotel or make your way there. Yeah, I would. Why not, you know? No, it's a great idea. So it's the YMCA. It's a cheap holiday, but it, unless you have to muck in and start doing the yeah, cleaning. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock, really, you know, washing the pots and all that. <laughs> I didn't realise I was going to have to do that. But, I uh, bet your mum thought it was hilarious when you came home and told her. I think she was just chuffed that I'd gone off on my own with my mate, you know what I mean, and experienced uh, travelling. Because it seemed like miles and miles away. Did pen memoir. can drive it in about 40 minutes now, can't you? <laughs> Might as well be the end of the year. <laughs> so, yeah, had a good time there. My next one is a yacht that I used to own. You owned a yacht? Yeah, dead toy one it was. Oh. <laughs> I went on an holiday with uh, my mum and dad and Jane to Scotland and uh, I saw this yacht in the toy shop, you know, a wooden one, probably about a foot long. You know, it was white sails made of canvas, great. And uh, my dad, uh, very nice of him, you know, I'll buy it for you, Simon. So I got the yacht and we got down to the sea there. I think this was in the highlands of Scotland. Uh, we went... In a caravan, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. I just remember all the midges, you know, around Scotland. Oh, it's, it's the same in Ireland. This yacht, I basically got it down to the sea, dead excited, put it in. Didn't think it ahead, really. And it just kind of sailed off into the distance. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw it again. I thought, well, I, I don't know what I was expecting it to do. You know, go around in circles. But there was no one working the rudder on it, was there? So it was just an oversight, and off it went, and uh, I was gutted, you know. I only had it five minutes. <laughs> and it just sailed off into the distance. Yeah, yeah. I was gutted he didn't buy me another one, of course. No, of course he didn't. <laughs> Serves you right, you know. Yeah, that's the yacht that I used to have. <laughs> <laughs> was your dad furious? No, no, not really. He didn't really get mad like that, you know, my dad. He would have been disappointed that he just spent the money on it. <laughs> I don't know how much it was. Yeah, I've never saw it again. So I've never, I've never had a toy yacht or a real one. I wouldn't mind a yacht, though, would you? No, not really. I'm not. You would. I know you yeah. would from talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I would. If you're not running your diner, then you'd be holidaying on the high seas, yeah. wouldn't you? Well, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? If you could do that, you know, six months of the year. Just sailing round? Yeah. Would you love that? So if yeah, you won yeah, the lottery, 
What's the first thing you're buying? Um, oh, I don't know. I, I, I want mine a nice car, you know. And okay, so you've got your nice car. What are you buying yeah, next? Uh, a house. Where are you house. Bu- Where are you buying your house? I'd like to go abroad, actually. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it- France. Oh, Italy, I'm thinking. Italy, yeah. 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 I'm thinking New York. Yeah, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? Somewhere in New York, an apartment in New York, and then somewhere in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very nice. I'd still have somewhere in Manchester, though, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's always great to come back. Yes, so I'd have somewhere Either in Manchester, way. but you'd have a yacht, would you? Would you have the real thing? I'd have a motor yacht, you know, with somebody driving it who knew uh, the, the code of the sea. Oh, I thought that's the bit you'd like to do, is it not? I just like sit, sit messing about on boats, really. You know, just soaking the sun up. So you're a bit like off. the Duran Duran video. You just want to be yeah, like you know, that, yeah. the wind in your hair. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Drum, it was called, wasn't it? Sank it. Well, Silly Isles, did it go down that? Oh, I don't know, did it? Yeah, I think so. I think they were in a yacht race, weren't they? Or they're doing the video. Either way, it sank. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate, that. Well, maybe not like Duran Duran, then. Well, they had to rescue Simon Le Bon, didn't they? Because they got trapped in the hull or something. You know, the water coming in. Oh, no. As I remember it, yeah. Wow. Quite dramatic. More more than you think it was, really, I think. You know, the uh, Coast Guard rescuing him. They must have got the video in the can because I've seen the video. They don't must show that bit. That. No, they don't. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's yachts. <laughs> My next why is Yvonne Ellis, who's a record producer who first became aware of. She used to do Simply Red's live sound, you know, for years, um, you know, doing the massive gigs that they did at the end of the 80s. Stuck with Mick and company for quite a while. But she does a lot of recordings um, in Manchester, Yvonne. I've worked with her myself, but she does swing out Sister, the hairdresser's favourite. And she worked uh, also with Carmel. Have you heard of Carmel? Yes, of course, yeah. yeah. She was another one who was knocking about, you know, when we were rehearsing at Spirit Studios yeah. on Tara Street. Yeah, she, she's a great producer. She's got a really, really good ear. Daughter Marley's in a band. She's very good too. Like a uh, sort of grimy type sound, you know, young, very young. Yeah, she's lovely, Yvonne. She's what got, did she work on with you? A band Lila was with briefly two or three years ago. Sort of neo-soul. And we did it at a place that used to be called Moonraker on the, the Stockport Road there in uh, Longsight, opposite the church there where the BBC first did Top of the Pops. And she was really, really, really good, really impressed with her. And is that her studio? No, no, she's somewhere else now. Last time I saw her was at another Y, uh, the Yes Bar in Manchester, which was open for, what, a year or so before it had to shut. Great little venue in there. When I, I gave her a copy of my book, you know, when I was working with her, she said, oh, I'm going to write one as well, you know. I was trying to encourage her. And I saw her that night coming out of Yes. And I think we've seen a certain ratio, possibly. So said, how's the book going? She said, sorry, what was that? I said, you heard. Because <laughs> she, she said she was going to start writing it, and she didn't. And the daughter started laughing, she heard. You know, she, she knew why I said that, you know what I mean? So I uh, hope, hope a book's coming on. I'd like to read it, you know, about Met Cocknell and uh, company, you know, going on tour. And, and they were huge, weren't they, in the 80s? So that must have been huge shows she yeah, was working on. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. 
she's very well respected, you know, and a, and a lady. You don't see many Sam women, do you? Oh, do you not? No, not not really. There's one or two. Because you had Di as well, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Di was great too. Great that, you know, got people like that, women doing the, the, the out front sound. And to get the respect of the band, you know, band full of lads and what have you, and just to cut it and be confident with it. And she's well, I think, if, yeah, if you're good at your job, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, she is. She's brilliant. So that's Yvonne Ellis. I'd like to work with her again one day. The next one is my book, You Can Drum But You Can't Hide, which Tintin came up with the title, The Ex-Red um, Top Journalist. Okay, so go back to the beginning then. What made you suddenly think, okay, I'm going to write my story? Well, people have been saying, oh, you should write a book, so I've been with all these bands, you know. Um, and the thing that finally made me decide I'm going to do this is when I was on Mastermind, well, my name came up on Mastermind, and the guy got it right. It was the first person to record drums with the Smiths, and it was me. And the, if he'd not got it right, this Scottish school teacher. I probably wouldn't have written the book, but because he did, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I uh, sat down, trying to uh, wrap my brains. I went through a lot of musicians' union diaries that I collected over the years. Got a big stack of them, got, you know, covering 15, 20 years. Oh, so you always kept a diary? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Because you just put all your numbers in the back, and then the, the next year I'd come round, you'd transfer them over by pen to the next one and keep all these memories, so they really, really helped me thing that helped me most was the fall online um, website which some people you know update all the time i've got every of the every gig the fall ever did you know wherever it was and what songs they did on it it's really good really how they do it so thoroughly in every detail fall fans are a bit like that though aren't they yeah they are they know their detail yeah they like to have all the records everything oh every different yeah. format yeah uh, Which is great, isn't it, that you can get people that are so passionate about a band? Sure. Might cost them a lot of money, though, sometimes. I know, but they enjoy it. If, they, <laughs> yes. if that's something you enjoy... You Collecting just... them, a rarity. It never seems like you're spending money, does it? If... No, I've got quite a few um, white labels, four ones. White label, well, you know what they are, don't yeah, you? Of course, you work yeah, of in radio. And I don't even know what's on them, actually, because they don't mark them up, do they? Sometimes there's something on the run-out groove... Like Porky's Prime Cuts, they're master people that used to master in London. Um, for, you know, a lot of bands use Porky's. You know, weird scribblings. You know, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, when you'd get an album or you'd get a something and you'd look it up to, you know, you'd hold it up to the light. Yeah, to see and what then you'd been see written. what was scratched in it. I'm sure the Smiths used to do that. As yeah, well. they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I bet there's people out there that know exactly, you know, what the um, what it says on the run art groove. It was etched on by the, the people that were mastering it, you know, down south. So you've got all this information and you can find out facts. How do you actually then sit down to write a book? Well, I did it chronologically. Um, basically started in 63 and then when I was born. I are, shook, are you writing this on a computer? You just start typing. I was writing notes at first. Oh, so handwritten. Yeah, yeah then it went onto a computer. But I went from 63 right up to when I first got on a drum kit on holiday in Estoril in Portugal, where there was a cabaret band on, and the drummer could see he was drooling over this drum kit. I said, do you want to go? You know what I mean? How old were you? Probably 10 or 11. 
and I just I just loved it, you know, straight away. There was a kid at school as well that had um, a drum kit, which I played. I loved, you know, I just loved it. It was going to be something drum based, the book, uh, hence the title. It was just basically I needed people to remind me, you know, sometimes because my memories was never that good, but it's even worse now. So would you go and talk to people, sit down and talk to people and what, record your conversations or...? Not record conversations, but, you know, go to Ian's and he'd, he'd say, remember that when you did that, Si? What about that? Remember when you did that? Remember that go-kart? Yeah, we used to go down to Sunderland Road Tip to get pram wheels that people had chucked out, take them home to my dad's garage and knock up um, a go-kart, which used to shoot down the hill where we lived there, called it Caroline after a stable girl <laughs> uh, that I knew out in uh, Nutsford, Pinfold Stables it was. Uh, I took a, fan, a shine to her. Dad. So, so, you, so I named it, um, my vehicle, Caroline. Red you, it was, and white right. Your go-kart after your, your girl that you fancied. Yeah, that's right. But so, did you ever get to ask her out? Uh, no, I didn't. No? No, we might have a little kiss somewhere, oh. you know, behind the stables. <laughs> <laughs> In between where she was mucking out. That's a completely different book. That's yeah. like a Mills and Boone book. Yeah, it's a bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you got a few stories, you spoke to a few people, and then what do you do about getting a publisher? We tried sending it to, you know, all the ones that you've heard of, Penguin and the like, but, you know, they're not heard us, but they all replied. Somebody just got in touch out of the blue and said, Simon, I know this publisher down in London. The company's called Strata Books. And he was really interested in doing Gordon, he was called. This was the first version of the book before we went to Root Publishing with the one with the Stanley Chow cover on. But uh, he kept running out of books, basically. People wanted him and he didn't have them. So after the year was up, I took the option of leaving him and going with somebody who I knew could deliver the books, which is Root Publishing over in uh, you know Yorkshire there, who are very good. Yeah, it's just a matter of going through each year. Things would come back to you. If you saw the name of that hotel in uh, St. Louis, say, I remember when I stayed there. Yeah, that's right. When this or that happened, or Washington, D.C., which is built on a swamp, of course. Seeing more of these rats running around. Uh, the venue there. What was it called now, that venue? Um I don't know, but it'll be in your book. Yeah, it is in the, it is in the book. <laughs> and is yeah. there, has anybody come to you and said... The bits in the book are wrong, or you've... Uh, no, no. Apart from Ian so, with, with the wing mirrors. Oh, yeah, no, it's all true, you know. I'm just wondering <laughs> whether somebody else has ever said, well, it didn't quite happen. Uh, no, not really, no, no. you've never had any issues with anybody? No, in, no, nothing at all, no. No, there's no court cases pending is what I'm no, asking. No, there isn't, <laughs> no. Uh, so, and were there any parts of it that you thought, you know what, I'm not going to mention that, it's not going in the book? Uh, yeah, a couple of things, but um, you know, all the all the misuse of drugs and stuff, I, I put in because why not? There's always somebody will come back years later to go. I remember when you did, you know what I mean. So I'm totally honest in it. I think that that's why people, um, a lot of people, quite like it because of its honesty. I'm not holding back, really. You know how I felt at the time, what I thought of working in the fall, or what what it was like to work with Ian in comparison. And all these other bands, you know, it's uh, how I feel, and I'll stick by it, everything that's in it. And it's inspirational, though, isn't it, for people to read that story and read your story? 
yeah, maybe, yeah. Hopefully it is. And I think the honesty in it helps. Yeah, it does. I think people really like honesty. I'm an honest person, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do, you did a launch night then? Yeah, we did a launch night in Manchester, which was fantastic, legendary. You know, all my mates down there and the musicians and what have you. Did an interview with John Robb, a journalist, God bless him, who'd uh, made the effort to come back from London straight from the uh, train down to the, the Crack Gallery, as it, as it was then known, which is in the Northern Quarter. I played there a few times since. Great little place. We had uh, Anna Matt Lucky, a harpist from the Royal Northern College of Music. She was doing all songs, that are fall songs and Smith songs. Wow. On a harp. I bet that sounded fantastic. Yeah, it was. She's great, Anna. Anna Matt Lucky. If you ever need a harpist, get in touch with her. She's a really good Scottish girl, lovely. I do like a harp. Yes, I do. Usually at weddings you get them, don't you? Yeah, sometimes. I like um, Boogie, Boogie Nights by Heatwave. There's a harp part on that when it starts off. It's very enchanting. I oh, think. we'll have to put that in the playlist. Yeah, why not? Let's stick it in tonight. Boogie Nights, write that down. I will. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you've written the book. That's done very well. Yeah, it sold a few thousand, yeah. Yeah, it's done very well. So next step has got to be the film. <laughs> yeah, what about me? Yeah, would you would you like that, though? Well, it's kind of open-ended, the book story. You know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now with the bands and everything else. I'm very happy the way it's going. You know, mention San Pedro. I know, but that's the great thing about the film. It'll end on, you know, this idea of who knows what the next chapter will be. Maybe, keep it open like that. Yeah. Yeah, who would play me, though? Oh, George Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jackie. That's nice of you. Yeah, so I'm really glad I did it. Is it cathartic? Yeah, it is, actually. Um, And I've sort of, you know, my whole timeline of my life, I managed to, you know, understand it now. Whereas before, it was all a bit of a mess, but I know know, which country I was in in 1986. And 91 and what happened then when I bought my first house. So it's useful. I can sort of shoot back and tell you the date, wherever I was or whatever I was doing, whatever band I was in, or what great songs that, you know, were out on the radio at the time. I'm quite good at that, you know, on um, Ken Bruce's... Uh, pop, oh, Pop Master. Pop Master. <laughs> yeah. Do you join in with that? I'm quite good at the years. Yes. You know, because the reference points, unless the 60s. But for the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, I usually bang on. You're the man. Not one year out, you know, bang on. Oh, one year out. (laughs) Would you say writing a book, the process itself, was okay? Yeah, absolutely. My friend Stuart helped me write it down and put it in paragraphs. We did progress to a computer. We set up a little camp up in his uh, his flat there in Altrincham and bought a printer and what have you to get all the drafts going, uh, the first drafts. Yeah, it was great, and he scanned all the photos for me that are in it. There's some, you know, uh, great memories in there. There's a couple when I'm a kid, but most of them, you know, when I'm a working musician, you know, over the years. And has your sister read it? Yeah, she likes it, yeah. She's a big fan of the podcast, actually. Hi, Jane. Oh, yeah, hello, she Jane. She loves it, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I did it. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Well, we'll we'll all wait for the next instalment then. 
yeah, let's see what happens. I'd like to do another one, actually. I'm too busy doing the drumming still, you know, which is great. Watch this space. Yeah, watch this space, yeah. And the book is available from all good bookshops. Yeah, it is, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just Google it, it'll come up and yes. you can buy it online. OK, we're going to need a soundtrack for the letter Y. What have you got? Well, tonight I've got Boogie Nights by Heatwave. Lovely little heart part in there. Next one is Solid by Ashford and Simpson. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Let's Go Crazy by Prince. The Rolling Stones under my thumb. And finally, the Masonettes. Heartbreak Avenue. Great. OK, well, we'll see you for the final one next week. Oh, it's going to be sad, Jackie. <laughs> This podcast was produced and edited by John. Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size, A to Z of Manchester. Manchester.